Today's hero is a creative genius who is on a mission to redefine gender roles. Through her project Girls Will Be Boys, she has provided a platform for discussion about the modern perception of femininity and masculinity. One buzz cut at a time, she is empowering people to reclaim their own identities. It is Shar Elise. Hello, my love. Hello, darling. Thanks for the intro. That was brilliant. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. It's so nice to see you. I always love talking to you. You radiate an amazing, positive energy. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. You've really achieved a lot in your life but I would say I got to hear of you about I think it was about five years ago through a lot of the work that you were doing a lot of your activism I think it's so fascinating just this role of activist because we don't exactly go to college or uni to study activism we don't wake up one day decide to be an activist so there's a long journey of personal experiences right that lead us to want to make changes so how did it all begin for you? Well, it's just funny because I always actually say, I don't know if I'm a self-titled activist because, like you say, I just talk about my experiences of just life and, like, marginalisation. So everything just comes from my angle and it is educational, but I wouldn't say I'm an activist. I guess, like, that's the result of what I do, of talking about my experiences but basically it just started like that on Instagram I just started writing captions that were open and honest um and then my Instagram kind of changed from pictures of my outfits because people were coming to hear what I had to say and then I just kind of like went with it and then all of a sudden I was getting booked for panels and I didn't even know this existed for me. Like, I didn't even know it was a possibility. Okay, so that's interesting to me because I I can relate on that. And I always call myself an accidental activist. You know, sometimes where your words and your actions are just exactly what you said, a reaction to a need or a want for change in your own life and the world around you. And then that activist title gets put on you. So what was that moment that you go, oh, this is this is it. This is actually a career or this is the lane that I'm going to be in. Well, I mean, I went freelance, um, I want to say 2019. I wanted to do Girls With Boys full time. So I quit my job and I got booked for my first panel, which was for UAL. I think it was just like a pride panel because at that time I was talking about my um, queerness online and... I was like, oh, that's a nice bit of money. And then I got booked for another panel and then another (laughs) one and then another one. This was all, I think, in the first two months of me being freelance, I did about eight panels and I'd never done a panel before. And the money was rolling in and I was like, oh, I guess this is now like another part of my career. So I have Girls With Boys, which is what I want to do. That's my platform that I control. But then I also have the fact that I... I'm educating people just by talking about my experiences and just, yeah, being open and honest and people need that. So it was kind of that moment when I was like, I'm getting paid to talk about my experiences. That must mean they're of value. That must mean they're educational. Oh, I guess like people are going to start calling me an activist now. So talk to me about Girls Will Be Boys because I've seen all the work you've done with it. I've actually been with you on a panel and... I love hearing people have an idea for change and seeing it through. And that's what you've done with Girls Will Be Boys. So tell us about that. Well, I wanted to do my first project, which was, oh my God, she's bold. I wanted to make 
a documentary, a mini series, something in visual form, because that's how I learn and that's how I can sit with things and take them in. So that's why I did Oh My God, She's Bold, which was like a short film documentary. I didn't set out for it to be a platform. I just wanted to make this project. And then I decided to turn it into a platform just through the reception of people saying that it helped them make the decision to shave their hair or like it was just really interesting. Women in the film talk about uh, religion and sexuality and workplace and all that kind of stuff. So it was just giving people an insight and I was like, people are interested. I guess I can carry this on. And that's when I did the mini film series during 2020, which was Buzzcuts, which was on the Instagram. So people sent in uh, videos answering five questions around why and when they shaved their hair and how they felt and then that kind of took off as well so I was just like cool let's roll with it I, I love hearing other people's stories I love passing the mic on people's experiences it's not all about me like I also want to know about other people so that's kind of right. what Girls With Boys is for just to hear other people's journeys to self-acceptance. Sure don't you find it so unbelievably wild that a woman shaving their head gets the level of attention that it gets why do you find that the reaction to it is so kind of jaw-dropping to people I feel like the attitude towards it shifted in like the people who weren't around to see the punk movement for them all they saw was like the European beauty standard ideals and that's all they knew growing up so to them it's shocking because for me, I didn't think it was that shocking. I was born in the 90s. I don't think it's that shocking. But there are some people who are just so in this European beauty standard ideal. That's why there's so much reason for so many different things that are like, well, why do you care if this person is that size? Why do you care if like this, that or the other? It's the same thing. Right. I just think that like hair is a part of beauty standards. It's a big part of it because a lot of people are so attached to their hair. I don't think it needs coverage, but obviously there's people that need to be educated that it's not that deep. So that's why I did it. You're right. It's this control and this fear that's dictated by the system of beauty standards and that's everything that you're essentially standing up against right mm -hmm. yeah I just think it's like well one of the, the things that I say is like it's time to reclaim our identity and like our power with our identity because it's not up to anyone else and I, I know that in life yes we are influenced by different things and different things dictate our opinions of ourselves or like our decisions to do things to do with our appearance but I also think that like something as simple as shaving your head should be your decision and I I just think you find out so much about yourself you didn't know you needed to learn when you shave your head as a woman especially and I wish that for everyone and that's why I encourage it. Mm use social media very actively how do you balance because I really struggle with this um, I have such a love and loathing relationship with social media so how do you balance the good and the bad that comes with online activism honestly I've been struggling the past month especially because I got back into therapy so my mental health stuff is all over the place at the minute anyway and then on top of it feeling shackled to social media has been really hard and it literally last week I just logged out and it's so abnormal 
to know what everyone else is doing every second of every day. It's weird. You shouldn't have to know. So, so just log out. I think it's like a bloody simulation having this online life and then real life. I have a thing where I, I always sort of think to myself, if I needed to know, then I should have been there. If it's someone close enough to me that I needed to know about this wonderful experience, I would have been invited. Mm -hmm. But we're so um, overwhelmed and overexposed mm -hmm. to this complete intrusion into everyone's life. It's very hard to create those boundaries, right? Mm. Don't you find that comparison is the thief of joy? And yet we live in this world where we're supposed to compare. Yeah, that is one of my main things that I struggle with is comparison. And that's why if I just remove the things to be compared to, I can't compare myself to just myself living my life. So for me, I found it's easier to just remove myself from the situation because that is just instantly where my brain goes if I see something. So I see this amazing human being in front of me, but how did your experiences growing up make you into the person that you are today and the place that you've got to? I think it's from... It's, it's going to sound like backwards and twisted, but like from not feeling good enough when I was younger due to like desirability politics and like all that kind of stuff that comes with like being a dark-skinned black girl and like growing up in a predominantly white school and all this kind of stuff when you know all of that I think it made me want to become more confident in who I am inside what I can bring to the table aside from like what I look like because I didn't feel like that was propelling me into anything that like I actually deserve so from that I just I just wanted to be friends with everyone I just wanted to know everyone's story I used to write into like Ms magazine and have a pen pal that was like across <laughs> the world I just always wanted to have friends in different places just to know and I think that helps with doing well the job that I've fallen into it's like, I don't even know how I know a lot of the people I bump into at events, but I just, I just do. So I think growing up wanting to just be friends with a lot of people and like make myself someone who was friendly and approachable and wanted to know stuff about people. Do you think that also, because you just said something then that's really just really struck a nerve with me because when I was younger, as a, mm. the only, I was the only gay kid I'd ever I was the only gay person I'd ever even seen or known or and and I was definitely more that I was queer and felt just as though I was never going to find someone that was like me you know because that's mm -hmm. how you feel right growing up and when we would go on holiday I would make pen pals constantly me too and do you think that that do you think that that is quite a queer a queer experience then because we're trying to escape essentially right well I definitely think it was like trying to find people that yeah trying to find acceptance and people that just want to be your friend want to get to know you and I think if you're not going to find it in someone who is exactly like you where you can share experiences then I think yeah I, I don't know why I was so obsessed with having a pen pal honestly I had so many maybe it is me too I, I actually recently did a a podcast Jess Phillips podcast about writing letters mm -hmm. and I realized that growing up it was a real uh because I lived a lot of my life in my own head mm -hmm. I was a dreamer I was a fantasist Same. 
And again, very much a creative queer kid's journey, that is. And, and so writing letters for me was this escape into a future that I didn't yet know existed. Mm-hmm. I think that writing letters and writing letters to pen pals, I used to be a lot more brave in the things I would tell them than I would mm. to my brothers and sisters. I do definitely think it's a thing of escapism because that is something I know from a child. I've always been obsessed with escapism. I think that's also why I wanted to have pen pals because I wanted to, I don't know, have a connection to this person in the other side of the world who has a completely different life. Like just to know that that was out there and it wasn't just what's here, like right in front of me, my life that I'm living. It doesn't have to be like this. I think it's definitely to do with escapism yeah yeah so we've talked a lot on this podcast we've had so many people on and we've talked a lot about intersectionality for you growing up how did your perception of yourself have an impact in the way that you learned about your sexuality I definitely hid it from myself a lot Mm. I'm thinking about it more and more recently actually like when did I first know because it wasn't like I haven't only dated women. I've had like two proper relationships with men up until I was like 24, I think. So I didn't always know, but I always knew. So it's something that I'm even going through thinking, wait, there was that time when I felt this way about that person. And I just literally disassociated from the feeling and just blocked it out. Cause I guess I just didn't want another thing on me that was going to be a struggle. Because, like, navigating yes. the world like this and like this and then on top of it like this, it's like I'm just doing myself, like, causing more problems for myself. So I think I definitely tried to ignore it for a long, long, long time. A long time. Do you think a lot of a lot of that growing up leads to trauma in your adult life? I know I've definitely, in the last five years, spent a lot of time in therapy unpicking a lot of the trauma that I actually didn't know existed. But what I did, Shah, was I, I, I don't know about you, but I've swept it all under the rug until it's grown into a giant boulder that just spills out and, and you have to you have to go and, and look into it. Everything you're saying is literally me. Like I restarted therapy <laughs> about a month and a half ago and I went because I was like, I'm almost 30 and I do not know how to process a damn thing. It's just not how I work. It's never how I've worked. I felt like if I, if I even started to try and sit with how I felt about something, it would just open Pandora's box and I would just be in a hole for weeks. So that's why I'm just like, well, that's happened. Sweep it under the rug. We need to carry on. Yeah. It's not going to change. It, get on with it. Yeah. Let's just get on with it. And now it's like, hold on a minute. There's things I'm doing because I didn't process that thing that happened to me. And now I'm reacting in a way because I, it's long. It's long. Yeah, it's long. What led <laughs> so, you to that point? Because I think I'd always wanted to start therapy, but I think that unless you really want to do it, as in you want to do the work, you don't do it, right? You go, mm-hmm. oh, I'll do it. Or you have one. I went through a lot of, in my 30s where I would have one session, one session, and I'd say, no, we just didn't click. But actually, it was me. <laughs> this wasn't a fucking date. <laughs> I wasn't speed dating, but I was. And so... I think it's only until you're ready yourself. Mm-hmm. So what led you to get to that place where you go, right, I, I, I want to do this work now. I want to unpack all of this. For me, it was being in this relationship. Just 
finding the person that was like, right, I really, 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 really want to be the best version of me, the strongest version of me, so that, because that's what she deserves. And I think, like, it's unfair for my shit that I didn't have the, what's the word? Like, I wasn't brave enough to deal with for it to then spill into like this relationship I it's not fair and I think like I think it's really important that you actively work on yourself even when you're in a relationship and when it was just me I was just concerned with getting through each day so it was like I didn't have to think about anyone else apart from just me being able to get through the day and if that meant sweeping under the rug then it's fine by me because as long as I got through the day but now no it's not fair it's not fair. So it was it was being with Sky. You made me well up. It's always the thing that gets me when you meet someone, when there's that moment. I've, I'm blessed as hell to have also met that person. And it's a strange thing when someone sees you at your best and wants to see you at your best and what mm-hmm. that brings out in you, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's so powerful. Yeah. It was like a transformative moment. Just the realisation of like, this person is actually brewing for me and if they're willing to do whatever to help support me, I need to try it for myself as well because I, I can't expect her to do everything and also support someone that's not trying to support themselves is not fair. So, yeah. I've heard you say before that nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And I really, it's such a simple and yet striking, powerful saying. So talk me through what you mean by that. I remember I saw a quote and it said, um, I wondered why someone didn't do something about that. Then I realized I am someone. And I think a lot of the time it's so easy to just be unsatisfied with something. And then it just stops there. It's like, well, you're going to continue to be unsatisfied with it if, if you don't get up and do something about it. I just think we can't expect change if nothing happens, if you literally stand still, you're not going to get anywhere. It's the same thing. It's like if a lot of the time we just, I just feel like we're so used to moaning and just moaning. I do it all the time. But then it's like, okay, what now? It's like, do you actually want something to happen? Or are you just comfortable in moaning? Because if that's the case, you don't actually want anything to happen. So I just think, yeah, just something to refer back to in, in any situation where you want change, it's like, well, something's going to have to give. You're going to have to do it. Because don't you find that when you're in that negative space or when you're in that moany space, you're very static. So how do you differentiate between that and anger? Because I've been really thinking about anger recently and I grew up quite angry. Mm. But I think anger can actually be really useful. You know, the biggest social changes have come through anger. Mm-hmm. And I think that the world right now is angry. And I, I, I hope that anger is going to be used for change. So how do you take your own anger about things that you do not see and that things that aren't changing? And how do you use those in a positive way? Or do you? I do feel like... It's kind of like the saying, if you look after, what is it? You look after the pennies, the pounds, or look after themselves. So I think a lot of the time people are like, well, I'm just one person. I can't do anything. It's like, okay, but if every one person did something, something would happen. So I think it's, it's important to also separate what is actually your responsibility and what isn't. Because if 
you sat and thought about all the bad things that you wanted to change in the world, it would literally be debilitating. You wouldn't be able to do anything because like there's a lot of stuff going on. So I think it's just like being able to sort of find where you can help, but where it isn't too taxing on yourself because you can't do everything. You can't. So I think when I'm angry about stuff, it's like, what can I actually do to help make a difference? Can I do something to help make a difference? Even if it's just speaking, I feel like there's normally something that you can do and something is better than nothing. So even if it's just sharing something or having a conversation with someone about it, I think it's just trying to find the proactiveness in anger and then that's the best way to deal with it. I think every single person I've ever met that is involved in activism or is an activist or is an accidental activist, they always suffer from activist burnout. Um, and I, and, and I mean, again, I'm, I, I wouldn't say that me being, I'm, I would say that I'm around activism, you know, but I'm not an activist, but even I get really overwhelmed. I get really overwhelmed by the sheer volume of voices. I also get really overwhelmed by the, the pressure I put on myself. So how do you deal with that? It is hard. I mean, after 2020 BLM, Lord, I was like, just get me out. Like, this is so hard. Like, it's just so heavy every day. I think, again, that's when you have to release yourself from the shackles of social media because a lot of the time when people put the activist title on you, they also put such a huge unrealistic responsibility on you to talk about everything, to have an opinion on everything, to share everything, to be super active, to educate everyone on everything. But it's like, I don't know everything. And also like, right. I never said I knew everything. You just made I'm that I'm just solution. living my human experience. Right. It's like, I just talk about my experiences. If I don't want to talk about yeah. that, I don't want to talk about that. And it's not my responsibility. And I think it's just like reminding each other. It's not each other. It's not our responsibility all the time. Like I, I made a post and I was like, activists aren't the news. Like you don't go to them to see like the yeah. information on what's going on around it. Like, People talk about what they want to talk about and that's fine. And I think it's just reminding yourself of that. It's like, you can't do everything. You can't. No one knows about everything as well. Just do what you can and that's enough. Shah, you mentioned uh, Black Lives Matter then. And do you feel that that movement moved things on of where we are today? Or do you think that it's been almost forgotten about? Because I sometimes... You know, I I think a lot of people have just carried on back to normal and the world is, you know, I hate to be negative here, but the world is still feels in certain places like it's burning to shit. Mm. So, like, how do you feel now post that movement? It feels worse because it felt like we were all lifted up and the higher you're lifted, the bigger the drop. So we were lifted up and were told we were being appreciated and, you know, um, diversify your feed. And we were getting loads of interaction, loads of followers. And then just like that, 
we have literally been dropped to the bottom of the barrel, which is worse than where we started off because the drop was bigger. So it's had a bigger effect on our mental health, on our productivity, on how we feel about ourselves, on how we feel about changes happening in the world. Like, I just feel like it's, it's had, it had a really negative impact on me, the aftermath, because it feels worse than before because it was all fake. And that's not something that you make a joke about. Do you feel there's a level of tokenism? Very that. It felt like 2020 was a trendy year for black people. It's like, what? <laughs> the thing is, like, it won't ever even get back to that place because it was only at that place because of the pandemic, because everyone was inside, because no one... Like, unless we have another pandemic when everyone is sat on their phone 24-7 because they can't leave, nothing is going to gain as much traction as BLM 2020 mm. did. So it's like, if that was the effect of something where people had no choice but to engage, what the hell is going to be anything else when it doesn't even reach that level of visibility? No, I don't think anything else will reach that level of visibility just because of the situation that we're in as to why it did. And that's a shame because that didn't even have a good impact. I don't know, it sounds really negative, but I'm just fed up. <laughs> How can you stay motivated whilst all of those things are are happening. It's a really cliche saying, but remember why you started. I think it's like, I spoke about these things because I was like, if there's someone that is like me or like me when I was younger who sees a post like this and it helps them to feel less alone or to feel motivated to carry on or feel like they are worthy, then it's worth it for me. So I think it's always okay, why did I even get myself into this wild kind of career? And it's to help people. So if there's still a possibility of helping people, then I feel like that's that's my purpose. So I have to just keep going. Obviously take care of myself, but where I can help people. I think that's literally the only reason because if there was anything else, I'd be out. Well, Shah... I'm so excited for everything that's coming next for you. And I, I know it's just going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I'm a mega, mega what fan of you and everything you do. I'm a fan of you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you came on. Thank you for having me, love.